Good afternoon and welcome to this afternoon's The Tradie Hour. We have a, uh, a continued conversation. It just doesn't, it's just constantly, week in, week out. The elevation, a brand new financial year, almost a month in and uh, certainly, certainly travelling as we're uh, heading and running our trades and construction-based businesses throughout Australia, throughout New Zealand. Keep the commentary, keep the keep the uh, the questions that have been created through our uh, our recent um, episodes in in the trade hour. Keep them coming. We have a great conversation um, here this afternoon lined up. We have two formidable business owners of of, of trade um, based businesses who over the last who over the last um, you know two three four five years have been really committed to doing the best owners the best owners work. Truly committed to building a business and continuing to to navigate in recent times through COVID, now post-COVID. Now we're into this inflationary period. Now we're also into a period where, you know, labour continues to be a very, very limited resource, particularly exceptional A-grade labour and and bringing people onto our team. Also the importance of maintaining and growing your current team, setting the standards. These are some of the topics that we're going to be covering um, with you this afternoon. And I I want to introduce our guests here this afternoon. Our panellists, starting with John McKay from Rose Landscape Services, a formidable Melbourne-based business who has plenty of people on the team. Welcome, John. Good afternoon. Thanks for being here this afternoon. Steve, how are you going? Thanks for having me. All right, really good. Really looking forward to unpacking the whole conversation around your materials, team. You've had a, a significant challenge with... Um, being um, understaffed in recent um, in recent periods, but somehow you continue to get through and you keep on delivering uh, on time and on budget, and your business is slowly but surely growing in a specific way. How many people do you have on the team right now, John? Uh, Twenty-seven. <laughs> Fantastic, mate. Just when you say that, twenty-seven people on the team. Did you ever feel you'll ever get to this level? Did you ever know, you know, that this will be the level that you're running a business in in, in landscaping and landscaping services as that at that. Oh, look, it probably probably wasn't on the radar when we started out, but as we went along and we, we got more capacity, you know, it became clear that that was a possibility. And uh, when you, <laughs> I remember when my, uh, my when my mentor ever asked me, do you have any regrets, Stephen, about growing, growing the businesses you have? Um, I have to think about that, right, because there, there are some uncomfortable moments and growth, and continue to grow definitely present um, uncomfortable moments. And, and just hold that thought for a moment, John, because I'll introduce our next panellist, uh, Joe Caprara from uh, Casaform, an unbelievable sales and hire-based uh, business to the propping, shoring, and uh, what is it? What is it? What, formwork, um, formwork equipment. Joe, you, you do you do a better justice. What what is it that Casaform has an exceptional reputation in the market for across the Australian seaboard? Oh, thanks for the invitation, uh, Steph. Uh, basically, we support the building construction uh, contractors industries to achieve sort of innovation, safety uh, and cost efficiency through sort of uh, specialised engineering services. Uh, and we integrate the equipment supply to, you know, to creating solutions for customers. So that's kind of what we do. We don't actually do the, installa- the installation. We don't supply labour on site. All we do is provide the engineered solutions and the uh, and offer the equipment that we've got, but we can also go to our competitors for products as well if need be. So this is really interesting because I guess you'd be at the forefront of um, seeing the opportunities 
and or what we're hearing in the market, geez, things seem like they've slowed down a bit. I mean, a business benchmark group, we don't see not much slowing down. What we have seen is C and D grade builders and or construction um, ideas certainly slowing down. But the A and B graders are continuing to push through. But at Casaform, I would suspect, Joe, that you're at the forefront of seeing trends in the um, in the construction industry that many other trades get to see a lot further down the track. Would that be would that be a fair assumption? Yeah, it is a fair assumption, Steph. Look, we um, we've had our cycles, we've had our ups and downs. Uh, you know, typically we would see the industry sort of firing back up in February of each year. We sort of see this lull between uh, you know December and uh, and February, and it usually kicks off again in February. This year, unfortunately, we didn't see it really kicking back until uh, kicking in until uh, probably April. Um, but I think it's going to be power on between now and the end of this uh, this calendar year, at least. I think there's a lot happening, a lot of new projects that are kicking off. Uh, you know, there's a lot of childcare centres being built. There's uh, there's a lot of infrastructure still happening. So yeah, we uh, we see a positive uh, year in front for us. Um, our revenues, you know, from sort of two months ago, probably will double by next month, I would think. Yeah, that's a fantastic um, forecast. And, and again, you know, the next six months as it relates, you know, a brand new financial year is uh, certainly, you know, almost a month in now and, and we're looking towards the end of the year. And what we're seeing also, Joe, and and and, and I'll get John involved too because he, he works on some amazing um, projects with his landscaping services as well. Um, we're starting to see, you know, the, the first half of, you know, January, February, March starting to be, um, looking a little promising with um, many of our clients here at Business Benchmark Group. So the type of builder, the type of um, development that you work on in terms of your product, your service offering, what would be a, uh, a reference point, Joe? Just so that, again, we can paint a picture here. What type of project do you typically work on so that, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing, I guess, you know, the future as it relates to the productivity future for many trades in yeah. the next um, we- year or so? Yeah, we some of the high-end stuff, as in the multi-stories, you know, 30, 40, 50-story jobs, they've sort of really, really slowed. Uh, where our sort of ideal target market is now is the low-rise, you know, five, you know, anything from, say, two to eight, ten stories. You know, there's a couple of 13, 14, 15-story jobs in the mix. Uh, it's sort of that lower-end tier builders that we're working with, and they are more our ideal target market. For different products, of course, for the more for the the formwork. When it comes to the uh, the tier ones, which we've always worked with, by the way, uh, that sort of dropped off a bit, and that, and they took a special product anyway, which is propping only. Uh, but the formwork market is definitely picking up, which is our our ideal target market, really. And that, and that also is a is a, is a, is a a vision, a crystal ball into, you know, the productivity that's coming for uh, trades that are following, which is exactly what we want to be hearing. And we get to see it intimately here at, at, at Business Benchmark Group, the the progression and the and the continual work in progress schedules for all our clients across all trades. John, you're almost like, jo, Joe's almost one of the first uh, services into a project. And John, you're at the other extreme where, you know, you're, you're, you're creating the last little piece of beautification before the keys are handed over to uh, <laughs> occupancy, let's he call it. Our jobs look beautiful. <laughs> 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 
I, I often joke that next life I'm going to come back and be the first one in to do side scrapes so the rush isn't on. <laughs> so, 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 so tell me more about that. What are you seeing? I mean, you're at the end of the cycle, right, Look, as it relates to the building and um, um, cycle. So why do, you, why do you say what you just said with a tongue-in-cheek, of course? Oh, look, I actually don't – I don't see it slowing down too much in the next 12 months. Um, there's just, just just a backlog of work to complete. Look, beyond that, uh, I couldn't be certain. One thing that we have got is that as opposed to, you know, when I was growing up and trying to get an apprenticeship, the super had only just come in in the 80s. Now there's massive amounts of money in super funds that they want to keep reinvesting. So a lot of it's based around, we're finding around warehousing and logistics, um, which was where we're finding a lot of work, new estates being cut up as well, uh, housing estates. And I think back to the GFC and the first thing that slowed down was the architects with inquiries and new work. The architects that we speak to, um, that we deal with, landscape architects are saying that the work is still flooding in. So at this stage, I don't know when there'll be a slowdown, but the, I, I would expect with interest rates at some stage, there'll have to be some sort of correction. Yes, and, you know, the, the, the speculation is that, you know, interest rates will, will continue to increase and then there's, the, then there's the element of right now, even right now with two interest rates in recent times um, um, having gone already the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the way up in Australia and, and in other parts of the world, that the heat in the market hasn't exactly stopped. It has stopped in certain pockets. And, and and there's a there's a there's a an insulation period that that suggests that even if there was three or four or five more interest rates, the part of the market that will certainly slow down is is in many in many cases understood, but the part that won't will be definitely the uh, the infrastructure and civil and and certain types of construction that no matter what happens we are thirty years behind. Population is expected to be. 54 million people in Australia by 2050. Now, if you think about that for a moment, if you think about that, so we're talking about in the next 20 to 30 years, our population is going to continue to grow towards doubling. If I'm in a type of construction sector or if I'm in a trade and or um, committed to even residential, like you think about these people need to be housed. These people need roads. They need they need places to be skilled and hospitals to be built. We heard earlier Joe talk about um, um, childcare centres and and you know the importance of having that amenity. So if you think about and you understand the landscape of Australia and its population growth, the inflationary economy that we're experiencing right now, yes, it's a bit of a speed bump. And for many of us, and let's 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 um, let's be really clear here: the last time we had an element of an inflationary period goes back to the the mid nineteen nineties, where there were years in a row of this type of economy. So when you think about where we are today and interest rates going up, I feel the biggest issue in the world right now is the lack of available resources. I feel, and this is not just an Australian problem, it's a problem that definitely filters throughout the world. Our clients in the US, our clients in the Northern Hemisphere, we all are having the same question about where are the people? We need people. I think that post-COVID is definitely looming as the continued uh, challenge. 
as it relates, and we'll talk about that because that's a, such an important, and I want to hear both of you um, speak to that because you guys are business owners who are doing, you know, as best you can leading a business, creating an environment where your people are growing and therefore the ability to keep on attracting new talent to the organisational chart is one of the challenges that I feel is the is the challenge to be conquered. So, John, you shared earlier, 27 people, you know, the opportunity is there. You're continuing to scale a business that doesn't just rely on you. Joe, from your perspective, how many people do you have on the team? About, about 15, uh, Steph. Yeah, so in the last six or 12 months, you've definitely had headcount growth and your business model is slightly different to, uh, to, to John's where, you know, John's business is definitely much about on the tools, in the service, on the ground, whereas you're very much a, a service provider too, right. to to the, uh, the, the, con, the the builders and the, uh, and the and the form workers out there. So if yeah. we think about your headcount growth in the last 12 months, where have you continued to put more effort, energy, more resourcing? Into sales. Into sales. So what does that mean? I mean, in a business like yours, it's a service provider you have continued to put more resources into account management and business development, sales. Why is that the case? What do you see as it relates to the future for yeah. you to invest in sales? Look, um, I guess from, you know, you know, we, we talk about sort of recessions and people talk about all this stuff. And at the end of the day, I think you've sort of said, Stefan, that uh, even recessions, the economy goes back, what, 7%. 10%, it's not huge, like it doesn't disappear. It just might mean you need to work harder. And that's part of our strategy is moving forward. Let's just bring the sales on. I mean, we've got the luxury of having a reasonably high, uh, you know, uh, TP and uh, net margin business. So, you know, the sales people, you know, need to cover their wages, but we know what those numbers are. So we, we can tell if the sales rep is making their, uh, you know, making their bacon or not. I want to reflect on something you just said, Steph. Um, you know, like just in round numbers, if you said there's a growth of, say, 20 million people over the next 30 years, let's say an average of four people living in a household because that's the average family, four people, that's five million homes. Five million homes, right? And uh, that's over, say, 20 years, which is uh, whatever that works out to be. That's about 400,000 homes a year. That is phenomenal. But you're right. That's what people need to stay focused on. Not these little dips in the in the economy, little swings and roundabouts or interest rate rises or, geez, the government's done this or the government's done that or COVID or, you know, it's still, you've got to focus on the future. Well, you, you do. And you've got to keep your eye on the current. And, and somewhere between that is a, have you got a plan that's moving the business forward? Yeah. You know, when, when things go down, what are you doing about getting up? When things are up, what are you doing about levelling it out and just, you know, truly just staying right. the steady race, right? And it's really important. And from your perspective, John, when you when you, when you you think about, okay, I have 27 people on the team, I'm the owner of a uh, continuously successful uh, landscape services business, I'm very clear about who my customer is. It's commercial and industrial, and, and you shared a little as to the type of work you do there. What do you see as your, you know, your looming challenge over the next twelve to twenty-four months? What do you see as it relates to the challenge that you will need to face in your business and ultimately conquer? 
Look, obviously, manpower. Um, we we need we need to keep working at finding good people. There are good people out there. We we have found good people in this tough market. Um, so look, we'll we'll just have to keep looking there. One thing that's we also do is we invest quite a bit in machinery, but even that that's got a, a lag on now. I was talking to uh, JCB and um, Kubota both, and that they're sort of talking six to six to fifteen months for machinery, depending on what what machines you you're, you're looking for. So there's a whole new booming secondhand market out there of uh, old excavators and loaders and tractors and the like. Um, so just trying to scale up on that side and just look for any new efficiencies we can make internally in, in our administration, um, whether it be estimating or, or any other processes that we're crossing over on and just try and take a, a little bit of pressure off and create a little bit of time. And John, for your business, which again, we, we, we sort of <laughs> we, we sort of touched on earlier how you're definitely at the almost the last cab off the rank, let's just say, and, and the frustrations that have certainly come with that in recent times in terms of the uh, the supply chain upstream with other trades and the schedule being pushed out. What are you seeing any um, changes to the scheduling in, in recent months? Like you think about the start of the year. Um, you think about the last few months, you know, May, June, July, um, are you starting to see a different sort of flow in the scheduling or are we still a little behind in the schedule as you understood it? Oh, look, look, there's there's, there's still challenges. Um, obviously, people need to take a week off if they get COVID, but some of the things, um, like, for example, one of our project managers, in the first week of school back, his daughter, that was in year 12, got COVID. He came back to work, for, I can't remember now if it was one or two weeks. Then his daughter, who's at university, got COVID. So he's had to take two weeks off in a month to isolate and he didn't have COVID. So look, some of those things have eased up. Um, there's still ongoing issues um, with, with product coming out of China, some raw materials and um, some finished products. A lot of that's based around uh, that we found have been around plumbing products and pipe irrigation products. Uh, look, the other thing that's ever looming, I suppose, as a challenge on top of that is is inflation, which we've just got to keep an eye on and try try and lock in prices with our suppliers as soon as we get contracts, um, and, and just try and manage the job store as best we can. But we're hoping that some of the sequencing issues that have happened on site. Um, due to people not being there, um, will, will be eliminated or not eliminated, but lessened. Yeah, and, and we're definitely starting to see some um, trending with with many of our clients. That literally, we're waiting three, four, five weeks for the trade before or the two trades before to get in, and they were just sort of waiting, and, and it was significant downtime. Let's call it. But you can't again if you're if you're a plumbing mob or you're a um, electrical fit out mob or or, or even a joinery mob, you can't get in and do your work because the framers haven't finished or the plasters haven't finished or, you know, and, and the knock-on effect of all that. So really, really good to see that in the last three, four, five weeks, we're starting to see the original schedules of our clients' businesses, regardless where they are in the end-to-end piece of construction, starting to flow in a more positive way. Joe, as it relates to the market that you're in as it relates to you're constantly on the search globally 
for the uh, for 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 systems that defy the norm, defy what people have come to you know know as it relates to propping. What do you see as as a uh, as as opportunities for for builders, construction, for form workers to be thinking about as it relates to the new era? the new way forward because you're always on a global scale and you have a, a great team that does this with you in terms of looking at the latest and the greatest and making it easy for people to uh, apply new new ways, more efficient ways as it relates to formwork and, and scaffolding. What are you seeing at a global level as it relates to new and innovative systems to improve efficiency? Wow. Uh, that's a big question. I know, mate, right. and I'm we're asking always, the right guy. <laughs> yeah, we're always scouting out, as you said. Uh, we're always scouting out, and uh, I suppose now is more time. You know, uh, very important to have those networks globally. Uh, I mean, we've put some deals together that uh, of recent times that you know a lot of our competitors wouldn't be able to put put together because they don't have the contacts that I've got. And I'm talking even corporate companies. The corporate companies think they've got the contacts, but they don't. They don't have it at the grassroots where where I do. Um, I mean, you know, like I'm looking at products in uh, the Middle East at the moment. I put together some a big deal for a, a large client in uh, Queensland, uh, which is looking for gear that I found in Italy. Um, you know, and uh, it, you know, it's having these contacts makes all the difference. I've got to say, in economies like this, uh, Stefan, is also um, it's also uh, a great time because this is where the opportunities come up for those that have got their fingers in the pie that are looking at things at, uh, around the world, or you know, even globally, or even in your local market. This is where the opportunities lie to make some some real serious stuff now. And I'm almost I'm also a very uh, a huge believer in you know. How you do anything is how you do everything. So if you're if you've had a business that's you know day one, and and the continuum of building relationships, constantly being at the forefront of okay, what can I see? What don't I know? Always looking at okay, is there a better way to do this? I believe, and again, relationships is a big piece, you know, and, and trades and construction is um, somehow, there's a myth or it could be real. You guys will know better than me. It's myth or it's real. Like, it's very easy to burn relationships in the trades and construction industry, and that doesn't serve anybody. So being really clear about the relationships, the ability at a grassroots level to go upstream and at a very top level come downstream where you're, you're adaptable and, um, and, and definitely um, approachable by many. So I love the way you, um, you, you just unpacked that, Joe, and, and it is important. Like right now, every one of us could be in our trades and construction businesses holding a diamond and all it needs is a little bit of polishing or a little, you know, just pivoted a little this way to see, hang on, what does this show me here as it relates to the next one, two, three, five years? And um, the economists that predict that, you know, the Australian, the Australian population to be at, um, at, at 2050, um, at the range of 50 million people plus, these people have not just picked that number out of, um, out of nowhere. It's very much a, um, a controlled and sequential uh, um, opportunity. If you think about the first thing that happens in major cities anywhere in the world, is civil and infrastructure goes first. The roads go first. 
right? Then you see hospitals and schools second. This is the wave that we're experiencing um, definitely in, in most major cities in Australia. And whether you're a trade-based business just looking after domestic and or residential, even renovations for that matter, or you're someone that has a lot more, um, you know, on the line and you're doing multi, multi-story, multi-level um, developments and or great, you know, greenfields being um, um, developed, it makes no difference what you choose to be your ideal customer. What makes the difference is as an owner of a construction and or trade-based business, what are you doing to be the chosen one? What is your vision of excellence? So with that, just hold your thoughts, guys. We're going to go to a, a break and we're going to come back to unpack. Unpack. What is our vision of excellence as it relates to the people piece in our businesses? Because business is a people's thing. If we don't get good at the people thing, internally we have a challenge externally and that's where the money is left on the table. So a couple of moments, we're going to have a break. I'm going to come back and unpack what is this thing that is right now the biggest issue in trades and construction, not only in Australia but globally, called people. Welcome back and thank you. Thank you, Joe from Casaform and thank you, John McKay from Rose Landscape Services. We're here at the Trady Out. We're so, so into a conversation. And what we're going to finish off this afternoon's episode with is getting the right people on the bus. This is where I see plenty, plenty, plenty of work needing to be done. Plenty of us are truly turning up at the last minute to that bus stop, hoping, hoping that we're going to be picking up the right people to join our business. And in fairness, the work should have been done in the first hour, not the 11th hour. So this is what I learned very early, very early in my business ownership career, very early. And I thank Basil Port for helping me many, many years ago get this right. The right people being really clear and understanding their right roles and being very, very accountable and understanding how they get measured to their right responsibilities, getting paid the right money will always deliver the right results. This, as we know at a business benchmark group, is the five R's as to building a team that totally, totally supersedes the owner, has a business that could run under management and or building exitability and affording um, investors to be lining up to buy the business in, um, in, in three, four, five years' time. So as we share and unpack, what is it that we have as a vision of excellence? What is it that we have as a vision of excellence to be our culture, the way we do things in our business? What is it that we need to be A-OK and or having the uncomfortable conversations with our team, upstream, downstream, side to side? I heard this amazing, amazing quote the other day. Our success in life is directly, directly attributed to how many uncomfortable conversations we have had. So when it comes to creating a culture of excellence and building a trade and or construction business in Australia, in New Zealand, 
in the USA, in the UK, anywhere, anywhere, any third world country, anywhere in the world, it is about building people and people being aligned to belong into something that's going somewhere. I'm going to start with you, John. As you as you see this and, and, and you understand this, you're up to 27 people, and it's not about being big. It's about being able to scale in a methodical and excellent first um, sort of way. What speaks to you as you share the as you see this, and what is your vision of excellence as your business continues to be at the forefront as a benchmark business? Oh, look, I think I think it goes back to basics. When you know having knowing what your work in progress register looks like, knowing what your quote register looks like, and planning your growth. If you you, you know, you're just going to struggle if, if you just say yes to everything. Something's going to go wrong. So if, if you've got an idea of how much work you've coming up over the next 6, 12, 18 months, you can start to plan how many people do you think you'll need to do estimating, project management, how many people you need on your admin team, how many people you need as foreman supervisors, uh how many workers will you need? How many uh, trucks? How many how many pieces of equipment you'll need? You can plan back from there, and and work work your numbers to match your org chart and make some progress that way. I love that, and, and having an org chart, I love that. Having an org chart as to what does this organisational chart look like when we're at you know, the next million dollars in in, in invoiceable work, or what does it need to look like if I need to pull back on half a million dollars worth of invoiceable work because the org chart is a tool and as owners and leaders or, you know, pilots on our plane, we get to pull those levers and the first thing we need to do is at least see what does it need to look like. I love that, John. Great. Joe, from your perspective, your vision of excellence as it relates to the people piece, you've been in business for a long time, you know and understand they will either make you or they will break you, right? <laughs> so what is it that this this sequence and or formula speaks to as it relates to the current environment we're in for you? Well, goodness me, having the right people on board makes life so much easier. Uh, they, uh, you know, I think you've always said, and, you know, my coaches over the years have always said, you know, get, employ people that are better than you. And uh, I've definitely got that around me, I can tell you. Uh, you know, I've got uh, Kelly in sales is just brilliant. Uh, you know, I, I've given her the responsibility this year of putting on and assigning, you know, the, the staff uh, in the sales area and training them. And uh, it's proving to be the right choice. Um, I, you know, I, I can't be everything everywhere in the business and getting the right people in the right roles with the right responsibilities makes the difference. Um, it, it works. So you can't not, not have it. Um, there's always a challenge in stepping back out of a business, but the only way you're going to do that is with the right people and the right roles and the right responsibilities in place. And the right amount of money too, I think that's a key as well. Um, it's not necessarily all about the money, but it, it does help. You, you can't be underpaying in the marketplace. Um, and, uh, you know, your comment before about having those hard discussions, um, I, it's an interesting... I'd never heard it put that way, Stefan, but you're kind of right. It's, uh, well, you're right. You're definitely right. It's those hard conversations that, that um, get the team working the way they need to work. 
And you know, when you think and about leadership, and when you think about leadership, Joe and John, and, and you know, we can open this up to a, uh, a an open discussion here. When you think about leadership, the hardest thing about leading or being in, in, in a leadership position is actually leading, and, and and leading is about being one step ahead, seeing things from a different view, a different angle, perhaps one, two, three days, one, two, three months, one, two, three years before anyone else can. And, and the job of leadership is somehow the the, the, the pressure, you know, the, the heat of keeping it all aligned and when is the right time to share more? When is the right time to be more transparent? When is the right time to not confuse the work that we've already committed to versus the work that's coming? And I'm talking about the structural pieces of the business. And that to me over, you know, almost 30 years of being in, in, in business and, and leading teams and watching plenty of teams in my very privileged space as a CEO and founder of Business Benchmark Group, it is it is the one thing that just keeps on surprising me, the power of team. And what I mean by it keeps on surprising me, the level that a team can take a business, an idea, an opportunity is absolutely, it can't be measured <laughs> the power of having as many as possible on one page moving in one direction. Now, what that means is that there will be healthy debates about stuff, and sometimes it's going to feel like it's petty, but you've got to stay in the heat of the conversation, and it's not my way is the right way or my way or the highway. It's definitely about let me listen and ensure that people are being listened to. That doesn't mean we run our business under popularity wins the game. It means like, that's great. I'm thanking you for your feedback. However, we go back to this is the way we're doing the business. And then there's times when you thank you for your feedback. Well, let's consider how we do that. So it's really interesting. Leadership is a, it's a very fickle and a constant moving challenge, opportunity, and leadership is not a majority rule situation. It's just the way it goes. John, are you still on the tools? How long has it been since you've been off the tools? Let me just ask that question, I feel, uh, for you. Look, I, I jumped on a machine the other week for the first time in a while. Um, I had to remember how to use it. But, um, look, no, it's, oh, I haven't really been on the tools for probably four or five years now. So what's it like to have a business that's gone 5X, like you've grown it five times over in the last four or five, six years, and you're no longer on the tools? Like, would you, I mean, what's your greatest challenge as you were coming off the tools? What was your biggest challenge? Um, look, there's, when as you sort of come off the tools, obviously you, you, you're losing a profit earner in the business. So there's a, a little bit of adjustment there. But the other thing is you, you sort of need to realise that when your phone's ringing all day and, you you know, you, you've got things to organise, you go out on site to try and help people and for the most part, you, you end up getting in their way. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. So, so you start meddling, John. Is that what you're trying to tell well, me? Yes, we, we, well, yeah, meddling in the sense of, yeah, we'll do, we'll get all this done and then if you spend half the day on the phone and you, you're not being productive and and it's, it's it's yeah, look, it's, it's just not practical. It's, it's just a, you're just getting in people's way. 
Absolutely. We give them the agency to do, do and give give them accept that they're going to get in there and and have a go and look they'll make mistakes but so what so did so did I from time to time and oh it's it's a natural thing as long as it's everyone goes home safely and that we don't have um, anything that's 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 too big you know usually it's a mistake they might be running late and ordering something getting materials onto site or something minor like that that we don't generally have touch with any any big mistakes. Um, so you've just got to let them let them go and learn themselves. Excellent. And, and Joe, just, just as one of the final questions here uh, this afternoon at the Trading Hour, brought to you by Business Benchmark Group, as you reflect on your years in business, you know, 25, 30 years plus, and you think about leadership, when you think about leadership, Joe, what's the one or two things that you could say, okay, the things I've learned versus the things I should have learned earlier about leadership are what are two things? I know I've got you on the hop here, mate. So we roll here. But what are two things that you could share with our audience today regarding what Joe has learned about leadership to do or not to do? Just two things. Look, I think it gets down to you know employing, employing the right people, giving the right responsibilities, and uh, also. Um, uh, you know, my role now is becoming more sort of a policy setting, I guess, uh, setting the guidelines of what I'm expecting from people and from within those roles and uh, and then letting the team, you know, work those to those policies. Uh, that's probably one thing I've learned and, and procedures do make a difference as well, like getting consistency in the business and the way we approach things. Um, so they're two major, major things. Uh, leadership has been a bit of a challenge for me over the years. Um, you know, I'm still quite actively involved in the day-to-day, um, and, uh, but, but that is transpiring, it's shifting. Uh, so it's, that's sort of transitions that, that we all need to make, I guess, and, um, and I'm, I'm making it. But I think in my case, I've got a bit of a, an information flow missing in the business, which once I can get over these hurdles, it might make my, my transition a little bit easier, but I need to get over them first. So, uh, And it's an interesting, it, it is a very, it's a place of vulnerability, isn't it? As you're letting go, you want to let go, it's now the right time to be letting go, and then you realise, hang on, there's this one little piece still to go, and there's this conversation, this, this I call it the healthy debate. Yeah. And the healthy debate's going on in my head, by the way, right? <laughs> More yeah. than anywhere else, right? So the healthy debate and the and the identity shift, pushing back, pulling back. Also the feeling of, you know, I feel guilty because I'm actually pulling back. I'm feeling guilty. It's not it's it's one thing to be pulling back because the time is right and you're you're truly invested in that transition. It's another thing to be pulling back and then coming coming to terms with. I am now becoming an investor in the business, no longer the owner or the CEO in the business, let's call it that language. And then there's this period, in my experience, of guilt. There's this period of I'm now shifting from this role to this role as the leader and I'm allowing others to do leadership stuff. I'm now feeling guilty because I'm no longer knee-deep in the doo-doo, right? And that's an interesting for many of us here this afternoon listening to this episode, that is a distinction that you must do your best, in my opinion, to not get in the way of. You know, if you're feeling guilty of the identity shift, 
or you're feeling like you still need to be, you know, the person navigating the way forward, just let it go. Just truly embrace trust and transparency in your business and let that play out. And that's how we create environments that foster empowerment that foster, you know, things can go wrong, will go wrong, whether it's me on the on the driver's seat, as John was saying, or someone else. Our ability to catch it soon and do something about it is our ability to ensure feedback and, and growth engagement in our business continue to be in the forefront. John, in the next couple of years, in the next 12 months, what do you um, what do you predict for, your, for, for Rose Landscape Services in the next 12 months as we say goodbye to today's episode? What are your parting shots? Oh, look, I think we're, we've just got to manage, manage the growth carefully and, and make, make sure we've got good liquidity. Uh, we've got, obviously got to have a good team, which we've discussed. Um, pl- plenty of cash reserves, pay our suppliers on time. And, and, you know, just in case there does come a time in this bumpy ride that we need to, need to ask a favour, make sure we're looking after our suppliers as well as our customers and our team. Uh, beautifully said. Thank you, John. Thank you for participating this afternoon. Joe, as you see the next 12 months, what do you what, what, what are some of your what's your parting shot as it relates to trades, construction, CASA form in the next 12 months? Yeah, it's an interesting time for us, uh, given there's a huge shortage of manpower and uh, and materials in the industry. We're finding a huge shift towards customers wanting systems, which is really what we we specialise in: is wall systems, pan systems, wall you know suspended slab systems. So I think uh, you know I back sort of John's uh, comment. Really, I think we've just got to be uh, you know have the cash reserves, make sure we pay our suppliers on time, make sure that our, our staff are kept uh, happy and uh, and working towards our you know we've got total alignment with our team. Um, and it's going to be interesting times with this inflationary period. It's, uh, you know, I've been through other inflationary periods, but I don't know, it just seems so bloody long ago that I've forgotten how to how to manage through it. Um, and, uh, you know, we've just got to keep our eyes on the ball, keep an eye on the cash flow, uh, keep an eye on our work in progress and our quote registers, which at the moment for us is looking relatively healthy. So... Yeah, power to you. So thank you, Joe. Thank you, John. An amazing um, episode uh, just, just shared with the industry and uh, the Trady Hour brought to you by Business Benchmark Group. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your afternoon with us and uh, just you know, providing some insight that I feel uh, was right on point as business owners who are truly navigating your business to the next level. Congratulations and keep on doing the great work that you do. Thank you, everybody.